the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Julian Gibb, and you're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And today we're blessed to have my very own boss, uh, founder and president of the Harvest Foundation, Bob Moffitt. So, Bob, Mr. President, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) So uh, for those of you who've uh, just tuned in, uh, normally I don't interview my boss, but um, this occasion is a time where we're going to discuss what is the role of the church? What what is the church meant to be doing? What's its purpose? And so... um, you know, Bob, we, we, we've been teaching this curriculum now, the Samaritan strategy, for, for a while. In fact, you've been teaching it to some degree or another for about 40 years. And so what is the role of God's church? Well, I, I think, Julian, that the summary of that is found in, um, in Ephesians 4. And a very familiar passage with those who are familiar with the New Testament. Um, which, in which Paul talks about the fivefold gifts, and then <clears throat> then he says all of those are meant to work together to equip God's people to serve. And the equivalent word I understand in Greek is worship. Mm. And so it's very interesting to to see the juxtaposition of those two words in English, which is service and worship. The implication is that one of the ways that we worship our God is to serve others. And uh, so I think um, the role of the church is not only to worship God, but we worship by serving. And so according to Ephesians 4, the way we do that is we equip God's people to worship him through serving. And so, um, at, and, and that makes sense when we, when we look at, um, at Paul's description of Jesus and the great hymn uh, that he was uh, a servant. Uh, Jesus came as a servant, a humble servant, sacrificial servant. And, um, and he was the first perfect reflection of the image of God and man. And so for the first time, we could look at another human being and see what God intended when he created us, which means that he created us to be a servant. 
And so I think the role of the church is to equip God's people to serve as Jesus did, humbly, sacrificially, um, and joyfully. Because that, that's the crunch, isn't it? Joyfully. Um, because you know, the, the, the thought of service is kind of like, well, if the truth be told, I'd rather be served. You know, I'd rather have, um, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like service. It, it's tiring. You know, it's, it, uh, you know, I, I'd rather have people waiting and serving me. And so, so what, what needs to happen to the human in order to, well, let's just speak about me. I don't want to insult unnecessarily <laughs> the, the audience, but what, um, what, what needs to happen within me? in order to transfer my focus upon myself and my needs and what's good for me, what, what's going to increase my chances of survival and happiness on this earth to focusing on you or on uh, my neighbor? Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I think that that is really one thing. Mm. And that is our relationship to Jesus. And as we increase our relationship to him, the more we become like him. Mm. And so the focus on on Jesus, spending time with him, understanding his uh, his commands to us, um, understanding him, who he was, who he is, and who he was when he was with us, and how he expressed that servanthood, and <clears throat> and that. That servanthood that Jesus expressed to us was uh, at times not a very happy. Mm. It wasn't. It, it wasn't something where he said, "Oh, ooh, wow!" It was, <laughs> you know, hanging on the cross, incredibly painful. But we learn from Hebrews twelve two that, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and that mm. joy was in knowing what his service would do for us that gave him joy. So even though our service isn't necessarily pleasant, right. uh, we have in mind what the end result will be, and that should bring us joy. And it can do that as we, as, as we are walking with him, being um, in close relationship with him so that we know what it's like to be like him. Mm. So, so to put, to put this uh, down to a level that even I can understand the concept is that we are not only just imitating Christ, but those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, we read in the scripture, it says, you know, in the upper room, Jesus says, you know, I'm washing your feet, you know, so I, I, I am Lord. You call me Lord teacher King, and this is all right, but yet I'm washing your feet. I'm, right. I'm doing something which is uh, reserved for the lowest in society. And I want you guys to, to replicate this i want you guys to uh, to do this to love one another you know says that's how that's how people will know if you are are my my brothers and sisters my children is by you serving one another and yet still we see you know uh, jesus is washing the feet of uh, of uh, judas the one he knows in advance is is going to betray him and so so it seems that jesus is serving everyone friend and foe yeah, it's it's uh, very similar to the story of the healing of the ten lepers. Even though my assumption is that Jesus knew that only one would return and thank him, he healed all ten. 
because his father's heart was open toward all ten, whether they would respond or not. Judas did not respond as Jesus wanted him to, and he knew that, and he still served him. Mm. And I, I, I think that's <clears throat> a wonderful model for us, is that um, we don't serve those that we think are going to thank us, um, who, are go- who are going to appreciate what we do, but we serve others. And I think <clears throat> one of the things to keep in mind as we serve is that what we're doing is reflecting God's intentions for that person. And God's intentions for every human being is that human being would come to him and realize the joy that he can experience in a relationship with Jesus. But that's not going to be true for every, not everyone. Actually, Jesus said it's the minority of people who will, who will come, but yet he served everyone that came to him. Because there's that, the word you said is uh, those who know Christ, you know, those who are, who are, who are his, his friends. And uh, I want to come back to that because I know within myself, you know, it's kind of like, I, you know, I want to be a better person. I want to be a nicer person. I want to be more selfless, but it's like my um, new year's resolutions plans, you know, sort of lose weight, exercise more. <laughs> it's kind of, I'm good for about three days and then my frailties uh, kick in, you know, and, um, I, and I've broken them already. And so, so this, 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 me pulling myself up by my bootstraps, you know, trying to be like Christ just it isn't, isn't going work. to, isn't going to cut it, you no, know, and not. maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe, I don't know, um, the rest <laughs> of the human race is the yeah, same, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so what is, what is the power that enables Julian, um, to become more Christ-like? Well, <clears throat> we know we should, mm-hmm. and we want to be, but that's not enough. Mm. Uh, it's like the New Year's resolution. You know you want to lose weight. You know you want to do all these things, but it, it doesn't last for very long. But if you're in a constant relationship with Jesus, mm. then the Holy Spirit continues to remind us of what he's calling us to. Mm. And so that the fulfillment of the New Year's resolution, so to speak, is something that is a process. It's not something that you make a commitment to all at once. Uh, yes, you begin with a commitment. You begin with a you know an intentional desire, but it has to be the renewal of that intentional desire constantly. And Julian, I think that's a lifelong process. It's not something that happens this year, you know, mm-hmm. this year's New Year's resolution. But that takes dwelling in Jesus. And I, I you know, I think one of the ways I, I like to think about that is um, Brother Lawrence's mm. Practicing the Presence of God. And uh, if you haven't read that little book, I, I recommend it to anybody who's yeah. listening or watching it. That <clears throat> He he was a cook in a monastery, and they and and he was known for his godliness. 
And he was asked, you know, by the friars there, how is it? You know, you're busy all day cooking, washing pots and pans, scrubbing the floor. How do you stay close to Jesus? And he said, I practice the presence of God when Mm. I'm washing pots and pans, when I'm scrubbing the floor. And I think that's a discipline that we need to learn to do. No matter what it is we're doing, writing a letter, talking to somebody uh, on the <clears throat> on the phone, going on a trip, reading a book, whatever it is we're doing, we we consciously are in God's presence, and that's 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 a discipline. It has to be intentional, and um, and yes, morning devotions or evening devotions, whatever is your particular uh, rhythm. Um, is wonderful. Mm. But if that's the only time we're with the Lord, we're missing out the majority of the time God wants to spend with us and be the majority of the time that he wants to be close to us. As you said the word discipline, you know, it, it's because I, I, I'm looking here at my exercise bike to the left of me and it's, okay. it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's uh, why don't you get on it? It's, uh... Well, that's just it. <clears throat> it's covered in too much dust. You know, okay. it'll, it would it would be. But that's the thing. It is, is a discipline of putting it into practice. You know, it's kind of like I know it's there. I know how it works. I know how to use it. But it doesn't have a benefit within me. It doesn't transform me uh, into uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, unless unless I actually put it into practice. And so. Putting uh, bad humor aside for a minute, you know, it, it's a thing with our, our relationship with Christ. Again, not not pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, you know, not not making ourselves into Christ, but but through the service of love, we are in a sense spiritually working out. Is that is that fair fair comment? Yes, I think so. But but again, the word discipline, we don't like the word or the concept of discipline. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, it can be painful. Um, it's not the thing that we would rather do, but we have to um, make a decision, intentional decision. I will do this mm. and and then begin to practice it. Anybody who's good at anything, whether it's sports or music or dancing, um, you need to practice. And of course, the, uh, the the best news of it all is that we're not alone, are we? Because, you know, as, as, as we are disciplined in music or in sports or as what you said, um, we have a coach. <clears throat> we have one who enables us. And so, you know, with the as we learn in Acts, we have the apostles, you know, who up to that point are sort of uh, uh, trying to be respectful, a little bit bumbling, aren't they? You know, it's like, let, let's bring down, let's bring down fire from heaven and kill people, you know, it's kind of like, you know in the name of love. You know, or, uh, you know, they're sort of bumbling, they're hiding away, you know, up in the locked room. And yet when the Holy Spirit comes onto them, you know, they are transformed. They're out there. They're, they're no longer hiding. They're out there in the marketplace preaching about Jesus Christ. You know, they are suddenly bumbling men into fearless men. Um, and so with uh, the individual, with us, when we're walking in the, in the, in, in progression towards Christ to, you know, I vision it as Christ's arms open and us sort of walking, it's called beckoning us and us walking to him. Um, We slowly become more Christ-like as we serve him and as we're transformed through the process. And it's, again, it's that once you sort of see 
once you're selfishly loving people, you can see a change within within yourself and a better ability in order to love people even in an even greater way. Yeah, and I think it's important to realize that this is a process. It's it's not something that happens in a year mm-hmm. or two years or three years. Um, it didn't happen in the in the several years that the disciples were with Jesus. Even Paul, at the end of his life, said, "I have not yet arrived." And so he was still, and he recognized, you know, his, his, he was recognizing his own process. The discipleship is a, is a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we can get discouraged and say, I haven't made much progress. Um, but we keep trying mm-hmm. and we keep the goal in front of us. And it's a lifelong process. It's not something that happens in a year or two. Or ten, but we keep becoming more and more like Jesus the longer we live, and that won't happen completely until we're with Him. Um, but um, but it, but I think we need patience with ourselves and with each other. Mm. Um, as long as the person is disciplined in the sense of I really want to be like Jesus, that's what discipleship means. For me, that's the def- definition of discipleship, is becoming more and more like Jesus. How do I know I'm a disciple? Because I can look at my life and I can see over time that I'm more like him than I was before. And, of course, we're, we're not called to be lone rangers. You know, Scripture says to encourage one another daily. You know, we're, we're in this together. You know, we're, we're sharpening one another. You're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. My name is Julian Gibb, and today I'm blessed to have uh, Bob Moffat with us. And we're sharing thoughts on the role of the church. So far, we've discussed the individual, you know, how the individual becomes more Christ-like through acts of loving, sacrificial service. And then it's a, a process, a road that we walk down over time as we walk closer to Christ. And we're enable to do more uh, more in depth acts of love for him, but 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 what about what about the church? You know, I've I've asked you this already, but at the start, you know, what is the church and what's its role? Um, well, it depends on uh, what role and what. Um, but I'm assuming you're talking about its role in society, mm-hmm. its role in the community. Um, first of all, the church uh, has several expressions. One is the people of Christ, whoever they are. And there's the church that's gone on, that's in heaven, um, the people of God who have died and passed on. There's the church present, which is the people of God, wherever they happen to be um, in in the world today who are alive. And then there's the local church. And, you know, those are the churches that we are most familiar with. And I think that um, that when most people think about the church, that's what they think of. They don't think of the body of Christ in general, um, worldwide, or the body of Christ in their city. They usually think of the local church, the local Baptist, the local Presbyterian, the local Pentecostal. That's the church. And that's in our culture today. I think that's the church that most people uh, think about when they think about the church. And um, so 
it's a role. What is the role of that church? Well, first of all, it's what we already described. It's to prepare God's people to serve. And they need to be serving, Julian, I think, in two general categories. The first category is individually. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody else does in my local church. I need to be a person who serves, who serves in my family, who serves in my church, who serves in my neighborhoods, who serves in my place of employment, um, in my my with my with my friends, uh, recreational friends, what, whatever those communities are that I inhabit, I need to to serve there individually. But the local church needs to have the reputation, and I think this is really important, that when the people of the community look at the people of the church, not the building, but the people of the church, they see God's love. And when we talk about in this program, uh, the kingdom and its stories, the kingdom is God's will being done. It's it's God's will being done by God's people. And so when the people of the community look at the local church, they need to see, be very clearly aware of the fact that those people, man, they love us. They're involved in the community. Um you know, and and one of the things that Harvest does is encourage local churches to do what we call little seed projects. It's not that that's the end of everything, but it's the beginning. It's a way for the people of the church to begin to demonstrate God's love through corporate activity, like cleaning the street, um, cleaning out in in many developing countries there are open sewers um, in the street and they get clogged up um, cleaning those um, and um, you know helping out with school um, you know you know maybe being monitors during during recess time um, you know, visiting the sick in the hospital there was a uh, in Lima Peru a a church young people's group that was aware of the fact that in that in, in that hospital the hospital only only provided a bed the food had to be provided by families but the families couldn't stay in in the hospital with their patient with their family member so they were all sitting on the outside of that hospital and many of them were from the countryside. And in this urban setting where the hospital was, they didn't they didn't know um, where to buy food, how to buy it, where to prepare it. Um, it was not fast food stores. I mean, they had to buy the raw food to prepare it, to, not only for themselves while they were being with their uh, family member in the hospital, but they had to prepare it for that family member and take it inside. And so this young people group put together bags of food, prepared food for those families waiting on the outside. Uh, not only for them, but for their family member who was a patient on the inside. 
So those are just examples of there are so many ways. All we have to do is look around and see where the needs are. And, you know, the Lord is calling us to be his hands and his feet to meet those needs. But that's, that's you know, that's just in the, in the physical area of need. But uh, we need to, to be um, people who, when the mayor, and I learned a story of this yesterday in Honduras, the mayor of the city of, um, of um, in, in the state of Comayagua, went to a friend of mine and said, Christian, are there, are there any churches that would be willing to partner with us as a city to help us dream about how we can improve the lives of our people? Well, here's a mayor saying to the church, how can you, I mean, are there any of your people who'd be willing to partner with us to make our, make our city better? You're, you're muted. We have, of course, run out of time. Um, but uh, so it's both as the individual uh, and as the corporate church together, seeking needs within our community, finding ways that we can love and serve our neighbor Amen. with the resources that we have in our hands. And so, Bob, looking forward to having you back on the show. This is the kingdom and the stories. May God bless you as you seek to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.